school week. We appreciate them so very, very much. Amen. Amen. We're going to sell in. 36 years ago, it's hard to believe for me, but 36 years ago, more than half of my life, uh, Pastor Carl and Bonnie closed their businesses in Arizona, thankfully. We left Kingman, Arizona, and moved to Southern California, all right? And, and when, when they decided to make that trip, I was 11 years old. My parents were filled with faith and vision that they could begin a church that eventually could impact the world. And uh, I was looking through some old pictures. It's interesting. I was looking through some old pictures uh, just this week, and I came across a picture of my dad on a missions trip with Joe Menchaca's dad which is so crazy that here 36 years ago, uh, 36 years from that time, uh, Joe Menchaca is a part of our church. But, but my dad was on a missions trip to a place called Hermosillo, Mexico. He actually went on that trip before we even opened the doors of our church. And, and really what was inside of them is we're gonna do something that's not just gonna impact, uh, you know, God's touched us in a way that we wanna impact the world. And, and even before we opened our doors, we were already reaching out into the, into the world. And I, I'm so grateful to be a part of that, but this was not an ordinary church plant. When, when they came here, there was not a backing. We didn't have a financial backing of an, of an organization that was helping us start the church. There was no congregation, there was no people waiting for us. All right, the first Sunday we ever had was, was, um, was, was in a small little storefront building in Buena Park, California, literally right across the street from Knott's Berry Farm. And uh, we had some metal chairs and we built a little platform. And the first Sunday we had church, it was my dad, my mom, and me. And we, my mom and I sat in the front row and my dad preached his guts out like he does. And uh, just like as if the place was packed full of people. And he was preaching that we're gonna take the world for Jesus. And I'm thinking, can we please leave? you know and and uh it's just the just the three of us moved here packed all of our stuff in a rider truck but here's the thing what's so crazy is that people actually came to our church I mean I, I was I, I was kind of shocked that was the case because we didn't have anything to offer there was no Sunday school classrooms there was there was there was nothing but like this little platform and we did have an overhead projector and I was the that was my designated job I was the I was the transparency flipper and so when, when we when we do songs my mom would handwrite all the lyrics to the songs on a transparency and then they, they put them in order for me and, and on Sunday I would flip them up there and move them as the song went along and and I got really good at that it was a calling in my life and and uh thankfully we have video walls that do that for us and and uh so so but we didn't have really anything to offer but people began to come to church and and we began to see lives being changed like 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 mar broken marriages were, were being restored and people that were addicted to drugs were being set free and families that were broken apart were being put back together and and here's the thing we didn't have any slick marketing campaigns we did have flyers with my dad's picture on it, and at the time he had a he had a perm. He had a he had a curly perm, and uh, it was very you know I'm sure you know I mean I guess people came so it must have worked in some way. But but it was a really kind of kind of we didn't have any really thing to, to 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 advertise. There was no slick campaign marketing strategy. But what we did have was a mission, and the mission that we had was that we're going to change our world one person at a time. That, that one person at a time, we were gonna make a difference in our world and our strategy was very simple. We were gonna win one person to Christ at a time. And then we were gonna take that one person 
and build them into a disciple one person at a time. And then, and then as they grew in their relationship with God, we would release them to their own unique destiny and their own unique calling that God had for their life. And our, 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 we've modified that now. Our, our, our strategy is now not just win one, build one, release one. We've changed that to reach one, teach one, and unleash one. But, but ultimately, it's the same thing. It's the same principle. And so what happened is, as a result of this strategy and the mission that God had placed in our lives, what began to happen is we began to form a community of people that love God. In this small, little, tiny storefront building, there was a bunch of people that were there that were passionate about our mission and devoted to each other. There's still a few people that are a part of our church today that were a part of that unique beginning 36 years ago. We're so, so grateful for that. But there were certain things that when you looked at our, our little community of people, and it wasn't much, but there were certain things that our community valued. There were certain things that were, were important and, and, and we didn't really have the language for it back then. We didn't really, we didn't really try to kinda you know, you know, put it on the walls and, and, and create this whole written thing. That's not what we did. But there was something about the way that we, it was a culture that had been established with this group of people and there were certain fundamental beliefs that would guide our decisions. And the things that we did and the things that we would not do, they were all guided by core fundamental beliefs and these beliefs were important to us. We didn't know that they were gonna be called values, that the corporate world would kind of coin that term values, but, but what was going on is there was something inside of us, there was, we, would, we would form our decisions and we'd, we'd make our choices based on a, a, a core set of beliefs that we held dear inside. They were values and they were valuable, valuable. And that's gonna be the theme of this next upcoming series that we're gonna be talking about, the values of our church. We now know that these, these beliefs, they actually were the rails that drove our ministry forward. That in order for us to keep moving in a direction, that there were certain non-negotiables. There, there, there were certain things that made us who we were and they're valuable. Let me, let me talk about values for a second because values will always trump your circumstances. Always. I mean, you can see this easily in the, in the life of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar, this Babylonian king, attacks Jerusalem. He takes all of the best and the brightest and he, he absorbs them into the Babylonian empire. Takes all of God's people and takes them captive. And so you've got guys like Daniel and guys you'd know like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were guys that were Jewish, Jewish people that Nebuchadnezzar had taken into his empire and basically had made them slaves. So how many know if you're a slave, your circumstances aren't great? Right, I mean, come on, if you're a slave, if you're in bondage, you, you, your, your circumstances aren't ideal. And, and these are less than stellar circumstances to be involved, of, but, involved in, but here's, the, here's what happened. God's favor was on them. And so even though their circumstances were screwed up, God still, his favor was on them, and, and God raised these men up into leadership in this Babylonian empire. And, and why did that happen? Why did, how was God able to raise these slaves into prominence? How was he able to take these, these men that were in bondage and raise them up into leadership? How were they able to succeed and even catch the attention of, of, of a wicked king? How were they able to do that? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how. They had values. 
There was something about their culture and they, were, they, they didn't care what their circumstances were saying. They said, we're gonna follow this, we're gonna do this, we believe this, and regardless of what everyone else does around me, we are going to, we're gonna live according to these values. So they held to a culture. So, so regardless, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna deviate from what I know to be true, what I hold dear, what's valuable to me, I'm not gonna deviate from me. And so these behaviors began to define these men. They, these values that they had made them special. So it was Daniel's diet restrictions. There were certain things that he would not eat. It was, it was cultural, it was a value to him. He says, I'm, I'm not gonna eat that stuff. It, it was their, their devotion to God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down to the, the image. They, they said, we, we will not do that. We will not bow, even if that means we're going in that furnace. We will not bow. It was, it was Daniel who was committed to public prayer that every day I'm gonna pray up in this window and even if they say laws and put all kinds of restrictions, I'm still gonna pray and worship my God and it doesn't matter. And it was these behaviors that set them apart. It's what made them different and it's what God used to fulfill their destiny. And we believe it's the same here at Elevate Ministries. That there's certain behaviors and rules that we live by. It's a track that keeps our train moving forward so that we can accomplish the mission that God's given us to accomplish on this earth. And this, these values are exactly what God will use to take us into our destiny, amen. amen. So here at this church, we have 10 stated values. And what we've done is we've placed them into four distinct categories. And so today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about two of our values and they fall into one category and the category is our priority. How many know we have a priority? Here is a church and, and in our lives, there should be a priority. And the first priority of this church, and I'm just gonna say it right from the beginning, is that Jesus is front and center. I'm gonna say it again, give everyone a chance to really shout all the way from the back. Let me hear it from the back. The number one stated value here at Elevate Ministries is that Jesus is front and center. Amen. That's awesome, that's what I like to hear. Because we believe that a moment spent with Jesus produces a lifetime of change. That just one encounter with Jesus can change your life forever. We see it over and over and over again in the Bible. Whether it be fishermen, tax collectors, prostitute, children, beggars, rich centurions, no matter who they were, what background they came from, the moment they encountered Jesus, their lives were forever changed. If Jesus touches you, you'll never be the same. Somebody shout amen. It's our number one value. Jesus is front and center. And our number two value and it's very similar, is that God's word is our blueprint. God's, the Bible is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We turn to God's word to help us navigate through this world. Our life is full of, of, of decisions. Adrian talked about it today, I thought it was brilliant. We, we, we all make so many decisions every single day and our life becomes the sum total of what those decisions are. And so when we make poor choices, we get punished by those choices. How many have found that to be true? Like you make a bad decision, you end up paying for it. But here's the other side of the coin, that when you make a good, good decision, you're rewarded for it. And so if that's true, we should make well-informed decisions. Jesus said, anyone who hears these words of mine 
and does them, puts them into practice, is a wise man who builds his house upon the rock and the rain comes, streams rise, winds blow, beat against the house, but it would not fall because there was a foundation to it. It was built on a rock. Only Jesus can make a statement like that. Jesus is the word. And when you, when you make your decisions according to the word of God, you are a wise person. And because of that, you will stand even in hard times. Somebody say amen. So, so Jesus Christ, we said that, that he is front and center, but Jesus Christ is also the word. He's the word that became flesh. Jesus, Jesus' words are wisdom in motion. It's, it's, it's God's word with skin on. That's what it is. And so when we apply the word of God to our lives, it brings blessing and victory into every area of our life. And so here at Elevate Ministries, we are building this church. It's the blueprint for this church. We're building it on the word of God. It's the blueprint. And that's why every single day, the first thing that I do is I spend time in God's word because the first hour, and they say, is the most productive hour. If that's the case, then I'm gonna spend my time in God's word. Somebody say amen. All right, now this morning what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna preach a message out of Luke chapter 17, and you're gonna see both of these values right here in the story. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Luke chapter 17. It's a great story. I'm sure most of you would be familiar with it, but, but the Bible says in verse 11 that now it happened. You know, I love the Bible. And a lot, of, a lot of people think that the Bible is outdated. But when you read it, it said now it happened. And so it's a now book, all right? That's just the bottom line. Now it happened that as, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then he, he entered a certain village and there he met 10 men who were lepers. And they stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was as they went, go ahead and underline that, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice, he glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet and he gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus said to him, weren't there 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Were there not any who found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to this man, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Some translations will say your faith has made you whole. Now the first thing that, as I read this story and thought about this story this week, the first thing that impacted me about this story in this passage of scripture is the Bible says, as they went. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, as they went. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, we read, we, those of you that are part of the Bible reading plan, we read through the whole Bible in, in, the, in the course of a year. And uh, right now, we're, we're in some pretty exciting stuff. We're in 1 Samuel, reading about David, awesome stuff. But at the beginning of the year, we get through Genesis and Exodus, and then all of a sudden, things get a little strange because we move into Leviticus. And most of you fell off the wagon at that point, and we haven't seen you since, all right? So, so Leviticus is one of those books, it's full of all of these laws and different things. And one of the problems in society at the time was that people would contract this, this very contagious virus this weird, I don't, I don't know if you ever heard about a contagious virus that everybody's afraid of, but, but there is one at that time, it was called leprosy, okay? His leprosy was this disease 
that, that people were afraid of. And if you had it, you had to isolate yourself. Does that sound familiar to anybody here? But I mean, I know we don't experience anything quite like the Bible, but, but that's what was going on at this time. And, and so when you're reading through Leviticus, what happens is, is when someone has this skin problem, leprosy was, would attack the skin and it would attack the nerve endings and there'd be all kinds of sores on the body. And so when someone would develop that, whether it be, it could, maybe it wasn't leprosy, but they would have to go to the priest and the priest would examine the skin and determine whether or not that what they were experiencing was leprosy or whether it was acne or a scab or some kind of wound or whatever. But if the priest would determine, hey, that's, that's leprosy, what would happen is that was, that was extreme judgment on your life. If, if you were determined to possess leprosy, you were cut off from society. You were completely excommunicated from community. You weren't allowed to go to church. You weren't allowed to go to the temple and worship. You weren't allowed to fellowship. Basically, your life was, a, a, was sentenced to isolation and exclusion. You're divorced from all of society. Now, leprosy at that time was one of those contagious things. It was easy to contract and it was hard to get rid of. Now, throughout the Bible, what you'll notice, especially in the New Testament, when they talk about leprosy, it's often, it's often kind, of, kind of like an illustration for something else. Leprosy was, was kind of a shadow or a likeness of sin. And just like leprosy would cause you to be cut off from society, excommunicated, isolated, and separated, the leper would not be able to be around anyone. Just like leprosy did that to a person, sin also has the same effects. That because of sin, our sin separates us from God, right? Cuts us off from relationship with the Father, cuts us off from our opportunity for heaven. And so, and so these people that are, that are experiencing leprosy, this is a horrible thing to, to experience. Just imagine going before the priest and you're hoping, you're hoping like, like, oh God, I hope it's acne. Like I hope it's just a really bad zit. And then you get to the priest and says, no, that's leprosy. When he determined that, that, that moment of judgment, that moment of, of, of extreme disappointment would hit you because you realize that your life is gonna change because of this determination. So here in our story, these 10 lepers, they hear that Jesus is coming to town and from afar off, they're, they're yelling and screaming, asking Jesus to have mercy on them because of their condition. And here's the thing, it's our number one stated value Jesus is front and center. A moment spent with Jesus can provide a lifetime of change. And so these 10 men, they encounter Jesus, they, they approach Jesus one way and then leave entirely different. We believe that that's what happens when you encounter Jesus. When you encounter just one encounter with Jesus provides a lifetime of change. And that's why our number one stated value is Jesus is front and center. It's in everything that we do at this church, in everything that we, 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 and there's a lot of stuff that goes on around here. But we make decisions about what we're going to do, what, depending on whether or not Jesus is able to take center stage. If Jesus is able to take center, center stage, we'll do it. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna do anything to put someone else in the primary spot. It's not, this church is not built on a pastor. It's not built on a, on, on a talent. It's, it's built on the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is here, when he's present in the building, anything can happen. Somebody say amen. Jesus himself said, when, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. And that's why our primary focus, it must be, it has to be lifting up the name of Jesus. 
So I love this morning when the worship team began to sing, Jesus, only you, because that's what we're about here. We're about lifting up the name of Jesus. The Bible devotes so many different terms for Jesus. The Bible says that he's the almighty one. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our redeemer. He is our salvation. He is the resurrection. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And guess what? He's even more than that to me. He's my comfort. He's my prosperity. He's my wisdom. He's my defense, he's my offense, come on. He's my peace, my strength, he's everything to me. I've discovered that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Come on somebody, Jesus, one moment spent with Jesus provides a lifetime of change. If you believe that, shout amen today. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these and you will do what, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. That's why Jesus, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You can ask me for anything in my name, Jesus, and I will do it. So the key to accomplishing all that God set for us to accomplish, the mission that he's placed us on, the key to all of that is Jesus. And the key for you to actively participate in the vision of this house is having a personal relationship with Jesus. So in this story, these 10 lepers, they encounter Jesus and as a result, their life would never be the same. And so so here's this thing. So they they come to Jesus and Jesus speaks to them. Now how many know that Jesus is the word? And so when Jesus speaks, what is he speaking? He's speaking the word of God. And so now they encounter Jesus, and then immediately the first thing that Jesus does is introduces them to the word of God. And Jesus says to them, he says, I want you to go and show yourself to the priests. And the Bible says, and so it was that as they went, somebody say as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. So these these lepers encounter Jesus, and then Jesus introduces them to our second value, which is God's word is our blueprint. And, 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 and he said, go show yourself to the, the priest. He was speaking the word. And little did they know that that word, that word, that very first word that they heard from God, that, that word, just by obeying it, would provide healing and cleansing for their life. That as they applied the word of God, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but when I start applying the word of God to my life and I step out in obedience and I step out in faith, all of a sudden God meets me there and begins to provide healing and cleansing. Are you with me today? So, so, so here's Jesus, he says, he introduces them to the word of God. He says, go and show yourself to the priest. And here's the thing, something happened on the inside. No one saw it, but they knew it. These men encountered Jesus and something happened on the inside and everybody standing around, they would have not been able to tell. They still look like a bunch of lepers. But gratefully, Jesus loves us too much to leave us where we are. He loves you too much just to keep you where you are. Are you with me today? He gives us his word. Jesus looks at these 10 men. He says, I want you to go and, and show yourself to the priest. Now, if I'm, the, if I'm one of these lepers, put yourself in their shoes for a moment. The last place I wanna go is to that guy. Because remember, that was the guy that told them, oh, you got leprosy. 
that, that was the moment that they experienced the greatest amount of pain they've ever experienced, the greatest amount of rejection, the greatest amount of disappointment. The last person that they wanna go talk to is the priest. And Jesus says, I want you to go and show yourself to the priest. Why would I go and, and, and experience more rejection? Why would I go back to that priest? He's already declared me to be unclean. There's no reason to go back there, but there's something about the word of God that as they went, they were cleansed. As they simply obeyed the word of God, they experienced healing and cleansing. Jesus said, go, and they went. I'm gonna say it again. Jesus said, go, and they went. So many people's lives have been changed simply because Jesus said, go, and they went. We, we, we went to church, and it changed my life. So many people have just said, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, on Sunday mornings, I'm gonna be in the house of God. And as a result of just doing that, just that simple act of obedience, they've experienced their family has been restored, marriage put back together, kids loving them, kids serving God. All of a sudden there's happiness, there's joy, finances are doing well. I mean, just simply by that little simple, I'm gonna go to church. As I go, all of a sudden I'm experiencing transformation and they went to Elevate Nights. I can't tell me how many teenagers that I've seen that just said, you know what, rather than go to parties, rather than going to football games, rather than going to In-N-Out Burger, I'm just gonna go to Elevate Nights. I'm just gonna go and let God touch my life. As they went, they experienced transformation. We just went to an e-group. I can't tell me how many lives have been changed simply by just saying, you know what, I'm gonna go to an e-group tonight. I'm gonna just get around other people. I'm gonna fellowship around the word of God. I'm gonna talk to people that are like-minded. I'm gonna talk to people that love Jesus like I do. And as they went to an e-group, it changed their life. We just went to a marriage retreat and all of a sudden our marriage started to get better. Oh, we just went to a youth conference. We just went to church and we were rocked. As there's power in just showing up. Come on, there's power in just as they went. Simple obedience. Just keep doing the right thing. Just keep doing the right thing. You know, I've, I found out that the, the things that I regret, the dumb decisions that I've made in my life, the reason I made those stupid decisions, every dumb thing that I've ever done simply happened because I was in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people doing the wrong things. How many of you, you have some regrets in your life, all right? I'll bet you, if you look back, you'll say, you know what? I was at the wrong place, at the wrong, at the wrong time, with the wrong people, doing the wrong things. But I'm gonna tell you something, something happens when you all of a sudden say, you know what? I'm just gonna obey the word of God and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go to the right place at the right time with the right people and do the right things. And when you do that all the time, you'll find out that you'll be cleansed as you do. As I went, you're gonna find out that 90% of the victory is just simply showing up. It's just, it's just showing up. It's just saying, you know what, on Sunday morning, it's raining, it's a little bit cold, and it feels good in these sheets, but you know what, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna take my family and we're gonna go to the house of the Lord. On Wednesday nights, I feel a little bit tired. It's been a long week, but you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show up on midweek service. I'm just gonna show up, elevate nights. I'm gonna, I, know what I know there's other things going on, there's other places I could be, but I'm gonna go to the house of the Lord. As they went, they were cleansed. I found out in my life, I've been cleansed as I went. There's transformation that happens when you just simply 
put one foot in front of the other and you simply obey the word of God, you'll find transformation. There's power in just showing up. Somebody say amen. So Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to show yourself to the priest. Now when he said that, what you have to understand is they were still, they were still lepers. I mean, nothing's changed. They are still living under judgment. They still have the same laws, laws that they're still under the curse. But when Jesus' word came to them, it required faith because now they had, they had to go back. Now I want you to notice that this miracle, as they went, is exactly the same as Jesus' first miracle. How many, how many remember what Jesus' first miracle was? It's when he turned water into wine, right? There's this massive wedding feast. His mom is probably like, uh, she's probably the wedding planner or something, Mary's a wedding planner, something like that. And, and uh, the, you know, the tragic happens, you know, all of a sudden halfway through the, the big party, everybody's raging, everybody's having a great time. Halfway through, they run out of wine. And, and Mary's like, oh my gosh, they are out of wine. What are we gonna do? And, and so she, she, she goes to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, we're out of wine. And Jesus is like, what do you want me to do about it? You know, I'm, it's not my time yet, mom. Like, I'm not supposed to do this stuff. You know, I'm not, I'm not, it's not my hour. And, and Jesus said, tell some guys, some of Jesus' buddies that were there, he's like, just do whatever he says. So Jesus is on the spot. Like, he's gotta, he's gotta, he's gotta help his mom out. So he looks around and he sees there's these like 30 gallon water pots made out of cement, stone water pots over here. And these were, when, when the guests came, this is where they would, they would wash their hands. So, so Jesus looks over, he notices these water pots and he's like, He's like, all right, guys, this is what we're gonna do. All right, he hands each one of them a, a wine goblet. And he's like, all right, guys, what you're gonna do, they're out of wine, and uh, so what we're gonna do is I want you to go over there, I want you to dip that goblet in there, and um, that empty wine goblet, and I want you to, to take it and give it to, to, to the boss. And, and, the, and the guys are like, are you kidding me? Like, like you want me to take the, the water that we've been washing our hands with? Like, you want me to take that? Like, do you want me to get punched in the face? Jesus, he's gonna punch me in the face. He, he's our boss, he's gonna fire me. Like, are you serious? Is this is this actually, what, actually what you want me to do? Like, this is, this is, this is crazy. And, and the Bible says that, he says, I want you to draw some of that water out right now and take it to the master of the feast. And they're like, oh man. Bible says that they went over there. You can almost picture it, like they're scared about it. Like, oh man, don't want anybody to see it. They're just kind of like dipping it, you know, like kind of, kind of holding it behind their, it's behind their back, you know, like here, here you go. And the Bible says that that as they they walked back to the the master of the of the of the, of the feast, they had in the mind that water that was used for hand washing had been transformed into the most un unbelievable tasting wine they'd ever tasted in their lives. Really, really potent stuff handed to the master of the feast. Like amazing. But, but that miracle happened as they did it. There's just something about just simple obedience to the word of God, and that's why it is our blueprint. Because when God speaks, when God's word speaks to us, things begin to transform. When you receive the word of God, are you with me today? When, when you receive the gospel and you apply it to your life, it will transform you. It'll transform you. It'll transform your situation because there's transformational qualities in the word of God. Only the words of Jesus can turn hand-washing water into wine. It's only the words of Jesus. So these lepers, in their current state, they're disqualified, they're rejected, they're cast out, they're cut off. But these same men, 
They hear a word from Jesus and they simply obey. Listen, when you respond to the word of God, it's gonna change you. It's gonna cleanse you. It's gonna bring healing. When you apply the word of God, your marriage will transform. Come on, when you, when you apply the word of God, all of a sudden your finances will begin to transform. When, when you apply the word, when you come into alignment with the word of God, literally every area of your life will begin, begin to come in, will begin to transform to what the word of God says it's supposed to be. Are you with me today? They were cleansed as they went, as they went. The, the Bible teaches us that the word of God is like a seed. In Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, the Bible talks about a sower, a farmer. He went out to, he went out to sow some seed. And the Bible says that some of it fell on, 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 by the wayside, some fell on some stony ground, some, some fell into some, some thorns, but some fell on good soil. How many wanna be good soil? The word of God fell on some good soil and because it fell on good soil, it, it, it produced 30, 60, even 100 fold. And then he, then he explains the story, Jesus says, I'm telling you that story because the seed or the sower, the sower is the son of man. Who was the son of man? It was Jesus. What was he saying? He's like, when you encounter Jesus, something's gonna change. And then he said, and the seed is the word of God. Who's the word of God? It's Jesus. So literally Jesus is the sower and he's the seed. That's why Jesus is front and center and his word is our blueprint. He stars in both roles. He, he's the son of man, he's the sower, and he's the seed, he's the word of God. And, and, and it's interesting that the Bible describes, describes the word as a seed because what happens when you take an orange seed, a simple, small, insignificant orange seed, and you throw, I'm using oranges because we live in the city of Orange. We, when we plant an orange seed, what begins to happen is it sprouts up, and what happens? An orange tree. And, and, and you get so excited when, when all of a sudden on that orange tree pops a, a, a sweet, bright, vibrant orange. But listen, that seed does more than produce one orange. It produces a tree that produces multiple oranges full of multiple, so one seed has the potential to become a giant orchard. That's what happens when you, when you come in contact with the word of God. It's got power to do something amazing with your life. So, so God's word, Jesus speaks, he sends these guys back to the place where the priests had excommunicated them. And I think, it's, I think it's important to think about that a little bit because sometimes God's word sends you back. That's what happens sometimes. Sometimes God's word, it sends you back to a place of disappointment. It sends you back, sometimes God's word will cause you to go back and apologize, right? Sometimes God's word causes you to go back and get some therapy or go back and, 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 and dad, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said. The word of God will cleanse you as you go, as you obey the word of God. Now, now the greatest thing that you can do with the word of God is to apply it to your life. And the way we do that is through obedience. Look what happens next, verse 15. So we, we continue on our story and the Bible says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned to Jesus and with a loud voice, he began to glorify God. He fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. And the Bible says he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said to him, wasn't there 10 that were cleansed? Where are the other nine? Weren't any others healed and returned to give thanks except for this, this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, arise, I want you to get this. 
He said to him, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Some translations say well. He was already well. Your faith, the translation, it translated, made you whole, made you whole. I mean, only one came back. And I think that's a little bit surprising. And Jesus was surprised too, because it wasn't even a Jewish guy. It wasn't even, even it, was, it was a Samaritan, it was a foreigner. It was, Jesus was surprised. And so, so why was it that only one came back? I think, I think it's interesting, and I'll just kind of, I'm gonna kind of track off a little bit. That one out of 10 is a 10th. It's, it's a tithe. A 10th is a tithe. A tithe always returns to the Lord because it belongs to the Lord. Did you hear that? There's something about the tithe. I think it's important that we all, we all grab that because, because 100% of your income working against the curse, it's tough. It's tough. See, see when man sinned, God didn't curse man. He couldn't curse what he'd already blessed. God had already said, be fruitful and multiply, all right? And so God had already blessed man. So God can't curse what he's blessed. But, but when Adam sinned, there had to be consequences. And so the consequences were, and you can read in Genesis 3, that God said, cursed is the ground for your sake, for out of it you came, and that's where you're going back. All the days of, of your life, this ground is gonna, is gonna be... It's gonna make you toil, it's gonna make you struggle, uh, you're, you're gonna be working hard, and it's gonna to yield to you its increase, but there'll be thorns and thistles. And I wanna just say, in other words, there's gonna be difficulties and challenge. Thorns and thistles, difficulties and challenge. And so 100% of my income, when it's up against the curse, is continually working against weeds, rust, corrosion, theft, but the, Bible, but the Bible gives us a principle that when we take 10th of it, a, a 10%, we take the 10th and we give it to God, what happens is, is that 10% buys the 90% back. It redeems the 90%. And so now, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not struggling with the 100% trying to make everything work, toil and sweat and trying to, no, all of a sudden, because you've given what belongs to God first, now all of a sudden your 90% is not fighting against the curse, now it's blessed. Are you with me? It, it, that 10% bought the 90%. Let me tell you something. Your 90% with the blessing of God goes so much further than 100% against the curse. It's just the way it works. And that's why everyone that I know that tithes can't afford to. And you're like, I know, Adam, you've said this before. I can't afford to. I'm, you're not hearing me. Everyone who tithes can't afford to. And everyone who doesn't tithe can't afford to. I know, I can't afford to, stop. Everyone who tithes can't afford to, why? Because they're using God's word as their blueprint. And when you place God's word in your life, use it as a blueprint, when you give, the Bible says it'll be given back to you. You see, every time God says he wants you to give, he's not trying to take something from you. He's not trying to get something, God doesn't need what you have. He gave it to you. He doesn't need it. Oh, God's always trying to take my money. No, he's not. He doesn't need your money. Whenever God says he's to give something, he's not trying to take something or get something from you. He's trying to get something greater to you. 
He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to give something to you. So when he says give, what happens? And it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your laps. You'll be full of blessing. Listen, that's the principle of God's word. When you put God's word and make it your blueprint, it transforms your situation and your 90% with the blessing of God goes so much further. You can't afford to tithe because the blessing of God will be with you as you do. Somebody shout amen. Okay. So you gotta think about these guys, these, these guys are lepers. I used to have fun with this, you know, because being a leper is kind of like a modern day Mr. Potato Head. Because, because what would happen is, is your stuff would just fall off. So people, you knew they had leprosy because they're missing noses and earlobes, fingers, toes, that's what's happening. And so, so uh, um, that's just the way it was. And so, so these guys, these 10 lepers, the Bible says that Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priest. And so as they were going, all of a sudden the disease of the skin was, was healed. And so they're noticing that the sore's gone. The, the, the infection is gone. The pus and the, 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 this terrible disease that was cleansed, but they still had the, the marks of it. In other words, the damage had been done. They'd lost fingers. They'd lost, they'd lost toes. Some, one of the guys was missing a nose. I think the Samaritan was the worst of all of them. Like the Samaritan probably had both ears gone, nose gone, half his lip was missing, and he had two fingers. That's kind of like, and so you can almost picture this guy coming back to Jesus. Are you picturing it? Okay, good, all right? He, he's, he's coming back to Jesus, and he recognizes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm clean from this leprosy. Like, I can, I can actually be around my family, and I can go to church, and I can worship. I can actually reinsert in, a, in society. I've been, I, the priest told me I've been cleansed. And so he's coming back to Jesus. And listen, how do you know when you're healed? Because all of us have stuff like that in our lives. We all had a form of leprosy or sin. Sin does all kinds of damage, doesn't it? How many of you guys know? It just does all kinds of damage. And all of us have come to Jesus, and Jesus, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. And so when you come to Jesus, a moment spent with Jesus, lifetime of change, you are clean from your sin. Aren't you grateful that God has set you free? He's forgiven you of your sin. And because you've been forgiven, there should be an attitude of thankfulness. And so the question is, is how do I know whether or not I'm healed? How do I know whether or not I'm healed? I'll tell you how you'll know. You'll be thankful. You'll be thankful. This, this man knew, was cleansed and he knew he was healed. And because he knew he was healed, he went back to give thanks. And here's, here's the crazy things is that Jesus speaks to him and says, hey, you've been cleansed, but now your faith has made you whole. What that says to me is that not only has he been cleansed from the disease, but that act of thanksgiving went full circle in his life, and now all of a sudden he's standing before Jesus, ears are popping out, nose is growing back, fingers are, are beginning to appear because Jesus said, you know what, you were healed, you were cleansed, but now because of your, 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 your faith, because of your, thanks, your thankfulness, now I'm gonna make you whole. I'm gonna, I'm gonna restore you back to your intended design. And I wanna tell you something, that's exactly what happens. 
That's exactly what happens when we encounter Jesus and we obey the word of God. We simple obedience to the word of God. We begin to march back. We begin to come to the house of the Lord. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And that's why every time we come into the house of the Lord, I love today, we, we began to sing about, about the house of God. The first song they wrote today was talking about the house of God. I was a liar, I was a thief, but here I am. I've been changed by the power of God. How many today have been changed by the power of God? The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for, for God. I'm thankful for the presence of God. I'm thankful for the healing and the cleansing that God's provided for my life. Is anybody grateful today that you are no longer excluded because of your sin? You are no longer isolated because of what you've done, but today you are in full, you are in full fellowship with the almighty God because, because you said, you know what? I'm encountering Jesus. I'm gonna obey his word as my blueprint. And as you went, You've been cleansed. If that's you, say, that's me. That's me. I've been cleansed. I've been cleansed by the power of Jesus. But here's the great thing, that because of thanksgiving, all of a sudden, this man's life went full circle. And that's what God wants to do with you. That's what God wants to do with you. You see, a lot of us, you say, man, you know, there's still a lot of stuff in my life. It looks the same as back then. You know, before I met Christ, I still have some of that. There's scars on my life. There's things that I've gone through. There's abuse that I've, I've, I've had to bear. There's, there's things that I've had to experience in my life and they've left me broken. I got, I got, there's things that are missing from my life because, because of what's happened to me. I wanna tell you something, God wants to make you whole. He wants to make you whole. Jesus, Jesus didn't just Wow, that was great. Very beautiful. Je Jesus just doesn't want you healed and cleansed. He wants you made whole. He wants to make you whole. I don't know about you, but that does something for me. Maybe today you're here and you're worshiping, but there's a piece of you not here, a family member, a friend, someone that you love. They're not here because they've making decisions outside of God's will. And, and you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm not whole. My wife's not here. My, my, my son, my, my daughter, they're not here. Listen, I'm gonna tell you something. God wants to make you whole. Justice and righteousness are at the foundations of his throne. See, God wants to restore everything that's right. He wants, and how, where is it at? It's at, the, it's at the throne of God. So this leper comes and he falls at Jesus' feet. It's a picture of coming to the throne room of God and falling down, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. I can thank. I can't thank you. I can't thank you for this situation. I can't thank you for this sickness. I can't thank you for this circumstance, Lord. But I can thank you in it. I can thank you in it, Lord. I thank you for cleansing me. I thank you for healing me. But I'm coming to you, Lord. I want to be made whole, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. But I want I, my faith is crying out for more. I don't know about you, but I, I look at this story of this leper that was made whole, and I recognize that Jesus wants to make you whole. He wants to, he wants to he wants to give you your whole life back. He wants he wants to, your life to experience what it was designed to experience. It's a it's a relationship with God come in full circle. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. But, but if you want to go next level, it says, then you go into his court with praise. God's a righteous judge. When, 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 when God's court is in order, like everything works out the way it's supposed to, 
he's a good judge. He's a, he's a good father. You know when you, when, when, when you go to God for justice, you're gonna get justice. So we enter his gates with thanksgiving, but now we come into his courts with praise. Why do we do the things we do at this church? Why, why do we sing, Jesus, only you? Why do we do that? Because there's something about coming to the Lord. We've been cleansed, we've been healed, but there's something about obeying as they went, coming to the Lord and offering thanksgiving. There's something, there's a, there's a continual process of transformation that God wants to unleash in your life. He wants to unleash in your family's life. How many would believe that right now? If that's you, you say, you know what? I need, I need to be made whole. There's something missing in my life it could be a friend, it could be a family member, it could be something in your heart, there could be something going on you recognize, there's, there's something missing. Listen, God's not done with you yet. Aren't you grateful for that? He's not done with you yet, he's got more to do. And you say, you know what, I, I, I wanna be made whole. This leper was healed, but now he says, I want to be made whole. How, do you, how did he get that? He came to the Lord with thanksgiving. Lord, I can't thank you for what I'm going through, but I can thank you in it. I can thank you in the middle of a storm, I can thank you in the middle of a hurricane, I can thank you in the middle of a flood, God, I can thank you in this trial because I know that, that I can be made whole, that you'll see me through if that's you. And you say, that's me. I want to be made whole. I want to be, I want to be able to forgive. I, I want to be set free from this pain. I, I want to be set free from this illness. I want to be made whole. I want my family to serve God. I want to be made whole. Something's missing. You say, that's me. All over this place. Let me see your hands. You say, I want to be made whole. There, 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 there. All over this place. Come on. Lift them up nice and high. Leave them up there for a minute. Come on. There, there. Rise and act of faith. Lord, I want to be made whole. Just say that as you lift your hands. I want to be made whole right now. Come on. I'm agreeing with you right where you're standing. Come on. Right. Lift that hand up and say, that's me. I want to be made whole. Come on. Stand to your feet if you're raising your hands all over this place. Lord, Lord, there's an area of my life. Lord, I come to you with thanksgiving. I thank you, God, that I've been healed. I thank you, Lord, that I've been cleansed. But Lord, I want to be made whole. If you're sitting and there's someone around you is standing, come on, get with them. Put your hand on them. Begin to pray right now in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on, thank you, Lord. Come on, begin to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on, begin to pray, Lord. We want to be made whole. Lord, we know you came to set us free. We know, we know you came to make us whole, God. Jesus.
battle is this, is we're gonna hear a word from heaven. Whenever you come to Jesus, you're gonna hear a word from heaven. But, but the battle that we all face is our flesh always wants to reject the word of God. Our, our flesh always says, nah, that's not for you. Yeah, it works for him and that worked for her and stuff like, but, but it's, it's not the same for you. Our, our flesh constantly fights against the word of God. You can imagine these lepers. They're like, I don't want to go to the priest. Like, really? Really? The priest? That's the guy. That's the guy who, that, that's my place of worst disappointment. I mean, that, that was, but here, I want to tell you something. There's power in obedience. That just simple obedience. When, when God's word says to forgive, many of us are like, no, I don't want to forgive. He's not asking for forgiveness. He's not deserving forgiveness. But God's word says forgive. And there's something about, they're not asking, they're not deserving, but there's something about obeying the word of God that unlocks something in your life, transforms something inside of you. Listen, God says, give. And you're like, I don't wanna give, I can't afford to give. There's no way I could give. But God says, I want you to give. And there's something about when you just do what God says, all of a sudden there's transformation that happens as a result. It's simply encountering Jesus and making his word your blueprint, how you live your life. So maybe God's speaking to you about giving. Maybe God's speaking to you about volunteering. Maybe God's speaking to you about fellowship. Maybe God's speaking to you about giving your life to Christ. Our flesh wants to reject that, no, 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 no. But I'm telling you what, if you'll just simply obey, you'll find transformation, your life will be changed. And, and over a period of time, You'll, rec you'll thank the Lord for it. You'll praise God for what he's done. And you'll look back and you're like, God, I'm a whole person. I've been made whole. That's the power of an encounter with Jesus and making his word your blueprint. Making his word your blueprint. So maybe you're here, you say, you know what? I've never, I've never invited Jesus into my life. I wanna give you an opportunity right here, right now to give Jesus your life. Give him your life. Say, you know what? I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm gonna live for God. Maybe you're here, you say, that's me. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I'd love to pray with you. Is there anyone like that here today? All over this room, you say, that's me, that's me. Just lift your hand up. Is there anyone like that? All over this place, all over this place. Side to side, front to back, right now. All over this place. God wants to touch your life, he wants to change you. If that's you, just lift it up all over this place, all over this place. Maybe we could pray together. Maybe you say, I'm a little nervous about it. Maybe we could pray together. Let's just all pray. Say, Lord Jesus. I recognize that one encounter with you provides a lifetime of change. I invite you into my life. I know that you forgive me of sin. You died on the cross and shed your blood so that I could be free. I invite you into my life. Change me. I make a decision that from today and on, I'll live for you in Jesus' name. I'm gonna invite our prayer teams to come on up here. We're gonna sing this song. If there's anything that you need prayer for, maybe you just prayed that prayer for the very first time. L listen, we'd love to pray with you and talk to you about that decision. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I need prayer for something else. I, I got a sickness in my body. There's something going on in my life. I just need prayer. I need someone to pray for me. I need some encouragement. These guys are gonna be up here. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna sing a song of worship together before we dismiss. I just wanna invite you, if you need prayer, just come on forward. We'll pray with you as, as we sing. Come on, come on. Can we sing this song one more time? Amen, come on.
wants We're gonna sing this out, sing you're the one who I adore Lift it up are there to show us that we can't wash ourselves. You know what I mean? I was a typical boy. I was a, a typical man, young man growing up, and I was always into, you know, playing with Tonka trucks and playing in the dirt and, and bikes and all that. There's something about being washed. You know, when I, when, I, when I was younger, I didn't take showers. I took baths, and I would fill up the bathtub, and I would get out, and there was this huge ring around the bathtub, you know? And there's something about being cleansed, man. We can't cleanse ourselves. There was, there, there's a scripture here in the Bible that to this, to this day, I never wanted to believe that it's, that it's true, but it, but it is. It says in John chapter three, verse three, it says, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless someone is cleansed like these lepers were, you cannot see the kingdom of God. If, if you pray that prayer, I, I'm thankful for that. Again, like there, there was these, these prayer teams that came up here, uh, up here, um, if you'd like someone to speak to afterwards, you can speak to myself, uh, Mark and Eileen. Raise your hands. That's Mark and Eileen over there. You can, you can speak to any, of, any, any one of us. But uh, we want to dismiss you now. We thank you so much for coming, man. We, we always, this is my favorite day of the week. Sunday is my favorite day of the week. I get cleansed. I, get, I come in here and I get fellowship with my friend, my, some of my closest friends. And we love you guys. Please come back. Hang out in fellowship, all right? Love you guys. Thank you.
shines the brightest sun I can see the one The end and the beginning Who grips the keys he bought with his blood